Woke up quick at about noon. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. Welcome into the Monday, June 15th edition of the podcast with Damian Barling, presented by Vibe Health Bar, where they got three locations in East Sacramento, Wolf Park, and Folsom. They've got the best superfood smoothies, acai bowls, and organic cold-pressed juices. The Folsom location is open for in-house dining, as is the location in Oak Park. Eight Street's a little bit small, though, there in East Sac, so you got to order to go or uh, use your favorite food delivery service. Uh, plenty to talk about today. Uh, coming off the heels of that big meeting, that big conference call that happened on Friday. We're going to get to that as it pertains to the NBA, Kyrie Irving, Dwight Howard. Uh, we'll get to that in just a second. But before uh, we get started, I want to ask you to send some love to one of our own, Lena Washington. Many of you know, hopefully you know, she does sports over there uh, at ABC. Her father passed away due to complications from COVID-19. He was instructed to return to work at a casino in Arizona and within a few days, he had contacted the virus. He was also a cancer survivor, and it was something uh, that his body just could not handle. So, uh, Lena, I'm a thousand percent positive uh, you are not listening to this podcast, but know that uh, we are all thinking of you, and we all send you uh, a whole bunch of love in which you absolutely uh, nothing but the best. I can't imagine the heartache that you're going through. I was so sad, you know, to read that, and and I go back, and we go back, and we look at we look at what things looked like. In Sacramento on on like Friday night when when phase three began and it was it was frustrating. I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about this. All I can do is just encourage you to understand like we're not out of this pandemic yet, man. I know it feels like it. I know things aren't as restricted as they were at the, you know, at the end of March and in April and, and even, you know, through May. I know I know things, you know, seem to have loosened up. You get to go out a little bit more. Maybe you've got to wear your mask. Now you're seeing people without masks. This isn't over. This is still a very deadly virus that has no vaccination, and this is still something that could be incredibly harmful to you and your family. So please exercise caution. I understand the desire to be around your friends. I understand, I understand the desire to go out, but just be responsible. Uh, just be aware of your surroundings and, and maybe limit it as much as you can because we're not out of this thing yet, man. And I ask you to just, you know, keep that in the back of your head. And if you have the opportunity or the chance to send some some love to Lena over there on social media, please do. Uh, so we'll make the weird transition here into professional basketball, though I guess we could tie the COVID-19 crisis into this conversation as well as, if you remember Friday's show, we were wrapping up talking about a conference call that was going to be taking place. It was allegedly going to be led by Kyrie Irving, and it was going to be a group of NBA players who... Well, they were a little bit concerned about this bubble. They were concerned about returning to basketball. And, well, this took place. And it, it it's it's taken on – that call has taken on a life of its own. And really one thing that I noticed this week is – or this weekend, it really just matter who you read for your news. <laughs> Much like the CNN versus Fox News crowd, it really just – it really just depends on who you read as to, you know, maybe what you're feeling on this story is. It was frustrating to read, like, Chris Haynes' report about Kyrie Irving, and it was a pretty just straightforward report. Here are the concerns. Here's what Kyrie Irving raised. Here's what some of the players think. Here's what they were talking about on the conference call. But then you go over to Woj's article, and it's like, like, what, like, like Kyrie is some shit disturber. It's like, you can tell who... You know, we used to always play the game, and I think we still kind of do, like, the guess, guess the source. Who is the source of this information? With Chris Haynes, it was clear he was speaking to players who were on the call. 
with Woj, it's clear he's getting an ownership slant on this. And ownership is looking at this like, oh, here we go. Kyrie's going to screw this all up. And I don't know. I don't understand why anyone, particularly people outside of the bubble, like us as fans, I can't understand how fans or media, I can't understand how anybody who is not one of the 1,600 people, roughly, uh, that will be in this metaphorical bubble. And I think that's something that is worth pointing out here. We keep using the term uh, bubble for the NBA going to Orlando to play and they're playing at the Walt Disney you know, resort and casinos and complex and all of that stuff. We keep referring to it like, like, that, like that episode of Seinfeld where the NBA is going to be entrapped in this little bubble and nothing can get in and nothing can get out. Loved ones, this is a metaphorical bubble. This isn't a real bubble. They could still very much become sick. Their families could very much become sick. There are very much risks for them resuming the season. There are risks for players. There are obvious risks for coaches. There are risks for anyone who is going to be in this metaphorical bubble. So unless you're inside that bubble, I don't think you have room to criticize someone who's asking questions about it. I don't know how long Brooklyn is going to be in this bubble. I know that they've got to be there from July 7th. Games don't start till the 30th. They're going to be a part of the playoffs. They're probably going to be there. I mean, if all things go bad for Brooklyn, 60-something days. So, you're, you know, you're upending your life for the next two months. You're putting yourself at risk for this virus, which we know a little bit more about than we did when it shut down the NBA season back in March, but we don't know the be-all, end-all for it. We, we don't have a vaccine for it. We know at rates in which it kills certain people, and I don't think that NBA players fall into this category. NBA players' parents might, and I doubt many of them will be at the bubble, but who knows? We know coaches are at greater risk. Older people are at greater risk. Older people with health conditions are at greater risk. So I can't figure out for the life of me why when I logged into Twitter on multiple occasions, multiple occasions this weekend, I was hearing poor ass sports media people talking about what a baby Kyrie Irving is being. And like, like how can you call into question this? Just shut up and play basketball. Like, yo, man, you, you, we need the distraction. Yo, excuse me. I know it's Monday, but fuck you and fuck your distraction. Like, I, you, like these guys aren't characters. Kyrie Irving is not a part of your video game. This is an NBA 2K. These guys are real. I know they do a job freakishly well. But that's ultimately what they do. They do a job. And a byproduct of that, of that job is often our entertainment. That doesn't mean you get to dictate whether these guys go back to work or not. I can't, I can't figure out these sports media people talking about, oh, how, like, how could it, you're, this is so selfish. Like, hey, screw you, man. You're not there. This isn't, this isn't about you. You're, you're telling these basketball players, and whether it's directed at Kyrie Irving or, or Dwight Howard or whether it's directed at Avery Bradley or anybody else who was on this conference call, whether it's directed at any basketball player who ultimately decides they don't want to be a part of this. And I imagine there's going to be a couple. I don't know how big the names will be. I don't know if Carmelo or Dwight Howard or Donovan Mitchell decide they don't want to be a part of it. I don't know if CJ McCollum or Dame Lillard decides, nah, we're not interested in this. We're not going to do it. We're going to sit this one out. 
I don't want to put myself in that risk. I don't want to put my uh, a family at that risk. And there are going to be people writing about it, and there's going to be people like, oh, he's so selfish. He's not a good teammate. Oh, imagine C.J. McCollum doesn't show up for Dame Lillard after all Dame Lillard has done. Oh, imagine Dame Lillard doesn't show up for the Portland Trailblazers after all the Portland Trailblazers have done for him. Meanwhile, you're still on a work-at-home edict. Meanwhile, you're typing your little article. You're sending your little tweet from your home office. Safe and sound. Sports media, we're, we're such hypocrites. Like, it's one thing for us to have an opinion on a player. It's, and this has, been an, this has been a story I've had a really difficult time forming an opinion on. Because I look at Kyrie Irving, and what we want to do is we want to go, oh, Kyrie, man, my gosh, this is the idiot who thinks the earth is flat. This is the dude who had a, he had a bad uh, uh, separation from Boston. He had a bad separation from Cleveland. He, LeBron hates him. He's like, oh, man, Kyrie sucks. He's the worst of everything. He's such a malcontent. Charles Barkley said he was the unhappiest person ever. Okay, but that doesn't have anything to do with this. But we want to bring it in, right? Because we want to strengthen our argument by pointing out all of these flaws on Kyrie Irving. Meanwhile, he's raising legitimate concerns. Meanwhile, he's asking questions that everybody who is being sent back to work at a time that they may feel is premature, it's questions that they should be asking. Especially if you got to go to work and you're isolated. Especially if you got to go to work and you can't go home. Especially if you've got to go to work and they have told you, uh, yeah, so in addition to going to work, you can't actually leave this facility. Like, I understand they're getting paid. I, I, I understand this is a, a, a terrible analogy, but, but feel me here. These guys can't leave. They are imprisoned in this bubble. They are not supposed to leave the bubble. Not for food, not for drink, not for ass, not for anything. They've got to stay there. And it could be, oh, could be for 30 days. Well, it, well no, it'd be a little bit over that. It'd be 40 some odd days if you're one of the, if you're the six teams that are eliminated before the playoffs start. About that, right? 40 something days. Okay. First round of the playoffs, tack on, oh, 10 to 14 days. Next round of the playoffs, like what was the story that we read? Uh, they're, they're trying to get rid of, you know, all, they're, they're, they're trying to get rid of like 18 teams, I think, in within a span of like 50 some odd days. It, it's still tough. I know we all, we all look at it and go, man, we could get 53 days. Like we could upend our life for 53 days, but we don't know that these guys situations, they could be newly married. They could be new parent or they could be having marriage troubles. They might just, they might just not want to separate from their significant other for 50 some odd days. They might just not want to separate from their kids for 50 some odd days or 60 some odd days or 80 some odd days. And I don't understand how we were supposed to be fans. I don't understand as, as fans as we can look at this and go, asking questions is a bad thing. Why wouldn't you ask questions if you were asked to go back to work? In what you, you know, you may have questioned the safety of, of you may question, you know, the, the, the well-being of yourself and your coworkers. Wouldn't you ask questions? I would. And I'm certainly not going to uh, fault Kyrie Irving for, for asking questions. Now, my other struggle with this is 
the movement. Kyrie says we shouldn't be thinking about basketball right now. We've got we've got a lot of momentum as it pertains to, you know, we've got the world's attention in a way that we never have before as it pertains to injustices and inequalities. And I dig that. Like, all right, Kyrie, I hear you. You're right. But what I don't understand is how would playing basketball hinder that? Like, how would, because I, I, I think the argument, and, and I'll read uh, part of what, you know, part of what was being reported about Kyrie Irving was uh, that, you know, slowing, you know, that going back to playing basketball would, would, would slow down the movement. Uh, here's a couple of quotes uh, from Kyrie Irving. Uh, if it's worth the risk, uh, then let's go and, and let's do it. But if you're not with it, it's okay, too. We got options. For both ways, let's just come to a middle ground as a family. Uh, and Kyrie wasn't the only one. Carmelo Anthony's. We mentioned Dwight Howard. Here's a quote uh, from Dwight Howard. I agree with Kyrie. Basketball or entertainment period isn't needed at this moment and will only be a distraction. Sure, it might not distract us, the players, but we have resources at hand. The majority of our uh, community, they don't. And the smallest distraction for them is, can start to have a trickle-down effect that may never stop. So what he's saying is if, if our community, if I, if, if I understand Dwight correctly, I should say, if our community stops being in the streets and stops fighting for uh, you know, issues and stops sitting in on conference calls with the ACLU and stops doing all of these things that have gathered so much momentum over the last couple of weeks since the death of George Floyd, and, and, and if they stop doing that because they want to watch the Lakers play, or they want to watch the Brooklyn Nets play, or they want to watch whatever their favorite team play is, then maybe we're distracting from the cause. I understand. I just don't agree. I don't agree because if you're trying to bring attention to something and you've got an audience, and by the audience, I think I mean a large portion of America that is starved to have some sort of athletic contest, back up and at it. You have an audience that is thirsty to see you. Well, you've got games scheduled like every other day. You've got, you're going to have cameras in front of you. There are going to be people asking you a ton of questions. And you've got guys like LeBron James who makes a difference. You've got guys like Kyrie Irving who clearly has an opinion. Dwight Howard, if Dwight Howard chooses to play the season and his agent has said he's not sure if he's going to resume the season yet. And that's okay. That's okay. But if he chooses to, Dwight Howard has the ability to be in front of a camera and to talk about these important issues. Lou Williams has the ability to be in front of these cameras and talk about issues. You've got cameras in front of you on a daily basis where you can talk about this stuff. I don't understand how that wouldn't be impactful. I don't understand how that wouldn't be incredibly impactful. Why wouldn't you do it? Maybe I'm being short-sighted. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm overestimating the influence of the NBA. Maybe I'm overestimating uh, the value of a LeBron James opinion. I don't think that I am. I think LeBron James is a, is, 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 I think he's a good leader in this, in this sense. Kyrie says he's willing to quit and he's willing to give up everything. He's willing to give up everything to fight for, for these issues, to fight for social justice and to fight for equality. But okay, Kyrie, I see you. I hear you. It's, if he, if he does it, amazing. If he doesn't, that's okay too. The reason 
you know, there's, there's, there's this interesting thing. I had this conversation yesterday about, you know, because of course sports media was at its absolute worst this weekend. And, you know, there were people, yo, Kyrie said he was, he, he would give up everything for the cause. Okay, Kyrie. Well, how important is the cause to you? Go ahead and give it up. It would be the most historic thing since Muhammad Ali. Never seen an athlete do it before. It was like, ah, we actually have recently saw Maya Moore do it. Maya Moore, arguably the greatest basketball player that's ever lived. I, arguably the greatest women's basketball player that ever lived. I think she was certainly tracking in that direction. She's certainly the greatest winner that we've ever seen in women's basketball. She thought, yo, there's this, there's a, there's a, there's an issue. There's something here that got my attention and I'm going to fight for it. And I, I, you know, we can make all of the jokes we want to about, oh, she gave up, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in her NBA deal. But Maya is an elite of an elite basketball player. Like she is the very, very top. She may have given up hundreds of thousands of dollars in the United States. She gave up millions of dollars overseas to pursue this. She willingly walked away. And if Kyrie willingly walks away, man, you'll put his name in the books. Because people like to say, Muhammad Ali sacrificed it all. Ah, that's us rewriting history. Don't rewrite history. We're seeing it right now. People are rewriting the history of Colin Kaepernick. You see it with, you know, this, this whole thing of, you know, uh, David Shaw says, hey, he's all about the protest. He would allow players to kneel. First of all, you don't allow anyone to demonstrate. If they're going to demonstrate, they're going to do it, whether you allow it or not. And that goes from pros to college, which you've got Baker Mayfield talking about. You're a fool if you don't think I'm going to kneel. J.J. Watt was applauded by sports media all over the country for simply saying the protest, the demonstration, wasn't about the flag. Oh, well, thank you, J.J. We're so happy that you cleared that up for us because I had completely forgotten that Colin Kaepernick must have said that 4,000 times four years ago. I must have completely forgotten the amount of times that I echoed those sentiments on a radio show. Every time that the knucklehead who called, who said he, Colin Kaepernick was disrespecting the flag. I must have forgotten. So thank you, J.J. Watt. I'm so glad the world applauded you for saying what Colin Kaepernick said four years ago. Yay. Thank you, J.J. You sensing my sarcasm there? Again, let's not rewrite history. Muhammad Ali didn't willingly sacrifice his boxing career. Muhammad Ali's boxing career was taken from him. Don't let anybody spin this story into something else. We have romanticized Muhammad Ali in the same exact way we have romanticized Martin Luther King. Muhammad Ali didn't go F it. I'm going to be a social activist. No, he's like, I'm a boxer. I am not going to war. I'm a boxer. I am not a soldier. Oh, but, but, but we want to frame it is he, he, he walked away from it. No, he didn't walk away from it. They took it from him. They took it from Colin Kaepernick. Maya Moore walked away. Maya Moore said, no, there's a problem. I have a platform, I have a voice, and I'm going to devote 
all of my time to fixing this this one problem. It is this one problem in a grander scheme of problems. And she fixed it. I couldn't applaud Kyrie enough if he walks away from this. I hope he doesn't. I hope he doesn't because I think Kyrie's voice would be impactful. You know, Maya did everything that she did. Maya Moore fought to get this man out of jail. She did that with minimal coverage. She didn't, despite the fact that I'd argue she's one of the greatest basketball players that has ever lived. Male or female, I'd argue she's one of the greatest basketball players that ever lived. She, st- she didn't do this under, uh, you, you know, like under, under the radar. Like people knew it was happening, but it didn't get a ton of attention. It would get a, fr- it, 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 if, if, if Kyrie walks away, the amount of attention that he would get for it would be magnified a hundred thousand times over what Maya Moore got. But that's because Kyrie has a bigger platform. The NBA is a bigger platform than the WNBA. So Kyrie in my opinion, as an NBA player, has the ability to make change as an NBA player. And maybe I'm being short-sighted. Maybe I'm being wrong. And here is a phrase I cannot believe I'm about to utter. But I agree with what Austin Rivers said. Austin Rivers uh, took to social media after the call and He said, uh, uh, us coming back would put money in all of our pockets. When he said all of our pockets, he meant NBA players. With this money, you could help out even more people and continue to give more, importantly, your time and energy towards the Black Lives Matter movement, which I'm 100% on board with because change needs to happen and injustice has been going on too long. He also made another great point that I, you know, I didn't really think of, and this was obviously a, a, a jarring moment when we talked about it in, in the NBA or in the in Major League Baseball. And I don't think the discrepancy is as big in the NBA. Certainly, from the top tier players down, it is. But you know, Austin Rivers pointed out that you know a lot of NBA players they need their paychecks. They don't. Ninety nine percent of the league doesn't make the money that Kyrie Irving makes. We often talk about in society the one percent. Well, you know, we could break this down into smaller clusters and know in major sports, whether it's the NFL or Major League Baseball or the NBA, there's a 1% there also. And Kyrie is in that percentage. You look around and you feel like you can start to name a lot of guys who just have these, you know, absurd hundreds of millions of dollars of contracts. But then you realize, okay, well, once you get past the Dame Lillards and the Russ and Harden and you start to name all the, the, the stars, you realize, oh, there's like 17 guys on the roster. And 17 and 16 and 15 and 14 and 13 and 12 and probably 10 aren't making, they're making good money, but they're not making, I'm a professional athlete money. There's a difference. We, do, we use the example with Major League Baseball. What, what was the number? 65% of the league makes less than a million dollars? By the time that that money gets cut in half by the, you know, the United States government, by the time all of the taxes are paid to the various states and maybe you've got to pay an agent or however that works, you go from being a professional athlete and having this professional athlete paycheck to just, you've got a really good job. The problem is with those salaries and that really good job is unlike being a stockbroker. 
or a lawyer. You know, a job that would pay you in the $200,000, $400,000 range or something along those lines or whatever those checks look like after all of the taxes are paid and the, and the agent fees and, you know, union fees and so on and so forth. You don't have the job very long. So that, that's like that's that's the bigger underlining issue is when you're talking about players 17, 16, 15, 14 on the roster, when you're talking about two-way players who are getting upgraded for this pandemic season or this, pan, this, this stretch of the post-pandemic season. Your job isn't guaranteed the next year or the following year. And so what do you do after that? So now you've made, you've had a really good paying job for a couple of years, but you no longer have that career. So what are you going to do next? So I I appreciate that Austin Rivers pointed that out. I actually thought Austin Rivers, uh, again, this is such a, I'm more comfortable talking about race relations in this country than I am talking about this particular topic because it's so sitting on the fence to say, I completely understand both sides, but in sports media, you talk, you've got to have an opinion. You got to have a take. And most of these takes makes guys look like assholes. Doug Gottlieb, for example, is like king of the assholes. I know it's Monday and I know I've cussed a lot today, so I'm sorry. I'll be better tomorrow. That's all, that's all we could do, right? We could, all we could do is hope to be better tomorrow. And I think we've already established in year one of the podcast, asshole actually isn't a bad word. Oh, it's, it, I hear it on TV all the time. And the rule should be if you hear it on TV, we're clear here on the podcast. But, but you got to have these takes. I don't have a take on this. I have an understanding of this. I understand Kyrie and Dwight and Lou Williams, but I also understand Austin Rivers. I also understand Patrick Beverly. I understand both sides because they're both logical and they both make sense. You don't have to have a hot take on this. You don't have to have a hot take on every story that comes across, every story that you you know put out there, every story that you want to talk about you know, with your friends or at the barbershop. You could just have an understanding of where everybody is coming from. Imagine... What a fantastic place the United States of America would be right now if we had an understanding of what each side was trying to express to us. Because we don't. We don't have an understanding. And when you don't have an understanding, oftentimes conversation gets eliminated. Now remember, this is what is being reported from the conversation. This doesn't mean that Kyrie's out. This doesn't mean that Kyrie quits. This doesn't mean that Kyrie is going to go pursue social justice issues instead of playing basketball. That's not what any of this means. We've gotten some quotes. We've had multiple different reporters write very different stories about the same exact meeting that took place. And all weekend, NBA Twitter weighed in on who was right and who was wrong. Spoiler alert. There's no right and wrong here. It's it, it's okay. Both sides are completely in the right. How do I know this? We're in uncharted waters. We're in unprecedented territory. We have never, ever, ever experienced anything like this before. So, listen. Listen to what Kyrie's saying. Listen to what Dwight Howard is saying. Listen to what Austin Rivers is saying. Understand why there are concerns. You know what? Maybe best news all weekend. Hands down, the best news all weekend. 
I saw Dr. Fauci for the first time in what feels like months. He's basically been exiled from the United States government in terms of talking about this uh, COVID pandemic. And he, I don't know, I, I'm sorry not to give it credit. I have no idea what show he was on or what he was doing. But he was asked directly about the NBA and their plan to return. And he said, it, I, I, I've read it. I've consulted with him with it. It's fantastic. I think it's a really good plan. It's very creative. And if the players and the coaches and everybody involves, or excuse me, everybody involved follows the procedures that are laid out in this, this plan of return, the NBA should be able to get through this. Like this is a, this is a huge positive for the NBA. It's a huge positive for sports. And when I heard Dr. Fauci say that, I was like, okay, all right, I'm with it. I like this. This is the best news we've gotten all weekend. There were some other things uh, that came out this weekend uh, regarding uh, a conference call. It actually, one of them involves De'Aaron Fox. I'm sure some of you read the story about uh, Bam Adebayo, uh, De'Aaron, uh, Kyle Kuzma, Donovan Mitchell, uh, Jason Tatum. Uh, those are, are, are guys, those are uh, players who are coming up on uh, very, that's the 2017 NBA draft class. They're coming up on very large contract extensions and they talked with uh, Michelle Roberts, who, of course, is the uh, NBA PA executive director, as well as their uh, senior uh, legal counsel, about potential like insurance allowances for the players if something were to go wrong. Another concern, and it's not wrong to bring this up, there's another concern about the increased uh, risk of injury. Again, all questions that should be brought up. We've had this shelter-in-place edict. There were guys who didn't have the... They don't have home gyms. They don't have home courts. They don't have, you know, a, 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 a bag full of stretchy bands or, or, you know, therapy guns. They don't have spas and saunas and all of that different stuff in their house. They couldn't see their regular massage therapist because they were shut down. There's a lot of, there's legitimate concern. And I think a lot of what the first week back here, we'll just use Sacramento as an example. The first week back here, which starts uh, June 30th, I think the first week back is just, hey, let's, Let's make sure everybody's body is pliable. Let's just make sure we can get up and down the floor, maybe get a few shots up. I don't think they're running any deep in-depth practices here the time that they're in Sacramento for those seven or eight days. I don't think we start to see an actual training camp until those guys head to Orlando. And I, I, I have no information on this. That's just my opinion. That's just what I would do. I think you have to have some serious evaluation when these guys walk through the door well past the COVID-19 test. I think you've got to ask them to come in and you've got to talk to them either. De'Aaron, what have you been doing basketball-wise? What have you been doing weight training-wise? What have you been doing massage therapy-wise? Do you have a foam roller? Do you have, like, what What do you have that has been able to keep your body as close to uh, season readiness as possible? And then you have to build out their plan from there. And I think that's what you can use the time here in Sacramento for. Then when you get to Orlando, then you start working on the, you start, you know, trying to play basketball again and figure out what that is like. So it's, it's uncharted waters, man. We've never, ever experienced this before. This is all brand new. It's brand new for you. It's brand new for them. It's brand new for everybody. So there's no right and there's no wrong yet. Now, we might look back later and go, oh, that was bad. It really messed this up, which 
which is why asking questions is okay, which is why Kyrie is asking questions. It's why Dwight Howard is asking questions. It's why that call took place. I wouldn't want, like, imagine the NBA, oh, we're going back on the 30th, and everybody goes, okay, cool. Nobody asked questions? Wouldn't that, that would be concerning. And these guys are a bunch of alpha males, and they should be able to step forward and ask questions without any, any fault to them. Do I have everybody's attention now? Oftentimes in professional wrestling, what's going on inside of the ring is merely a backdrop for what's going on outside. Few real-life situations have ever played out in storyline form more dramatically than what went on with CM Punk in the summer of 2011. One night in Las Vegas was supposed to launch the next three weeks of television. Instead, it launched the next three years of CM Punk's career. Relive the pipe bomb. Relive the walkout and relive CM Punk versus John Cena in Chicago. I am the voice of the voiceless. I seriously resent you for not putting me over three years ago when you should have. CM Punk is leading through this hometown crowd with the WWE Championship. I have the balls to say things that nobody else has the balls to say. Episode number two of Relive is available for you right now, wherever you get your podcast from, including whatever app you're listening to this on radio.com, Spotify, Podbean, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, whatever it is. Make sure you check it out. I really think you're going to dig it, especially uh, if you're a wrestling fan. I had a lot of fun putting these together. I really think episode number three, episode number three drops on Wednesday. It centers around the Lex Express and WrestleMania 10, but there is so much more. To that story that I really think you're going to like. I think that's where I felt like the podcast really hit a groove in terms of the way uh, I put it together. So uh, if you could check that out, relive uh, with Damian Barling. I before we get to Major League Baseball and a couple of other notes uh, that we have here today, uh, we do have a birthday we should be celebrating. Hey, it's Ice Cube's birthday, man. I love Ice Cube. I, I I think so much about Ice Cube. I know this song is getting a bunch of run right now. Such a nigga down. I, I look at Ice Cube like, this dude wrote straight out of Compton. And he wrote, we want easy, death certificate, and Mayor KKK's Most Wanted. Those were his first four albums. Like when, you look at, when you look at that, it's like, oh, okay. That's like the greatest creative stretch in history. Like, think of straight out of Compton, we want easy, death certificate, and Mayor KKK's Most Wanted. If I, I used this line before, it's super morbid. But if Pocket, but if uh, if Cuba died like Pac did, young, he'd be considered the greatest rapper that ever lived. And I don't even think it'd be close. Like if that was his catalog and that was it, he'd be considered the greatest rapper that ever lived. Because those four albums in and of themselves, they're untouchable. But we saw him evolve. Like that's that's what we never saw with. Not that, not that, not that, not that Pac didn't evolve in the style change, but we never saw him like grow up. We never saw to the point where he was like filthy rich and he couldn't be this angry anymore. You know, a lot of these guys like LL Cool J, like he wrote out of anger. Ice Cube wrote out of anger. Well, maybe, maybe LL didn't write out of anger. He wrote out of like aggressiveness. He didn't have that same aggressiveness. But like, you get older, like, hey, I ain't that mad anymore. 
If you follow Cube on Twitter, you know he he's pretty mad right now. He he might he might Cube might be able to drop a nasty album right now if he wanted to. He's trying to get to Jackin' for beats. Is this Cube's best song right here? Is this is this Ice Cube's greatest song? Fuck up. all y'all. Yeah. Goddamn, I'm glad y'all said it. This on. is the perfect you segue right here. Because this is the song that should be playing in the conference room when the Major League Baseball Players Association and Major League Baseball gets together next time, whenever that is. Because you talk about screwing something up. The Major League Baseball Players Association and Major League Baseball have really screwed this up. I'm kind of fascinated how this has worked out as well. So I guess everybody is done with one another. The Players Association told Major League Baseball, set a schedule for the 2020 season, essentially said, tell us when and we're there. Not essentially, that is exactly what they said. In a memo released by Executive Director Tony Clark, after the Major League Baseball Players Association rejected Major League Baseball's latest proposal, they ended the uh, memo with further dialogue with the league would be futile. It's time to get back to work. Tell us when and where. So I was fascinated. I was like, wow. Like, okay, so they're done negotiating, but baseball can just tell them to come back. Yes, as it uh, is linked to this uh, agreement back in March. You know, this agreement. This has gone well. They signed it on like March 26th. Remember, this was the agreement that they signed that outlined how much money they would get paid, uh, what percentage of the salary they would lose if X number of games were lost, and then uh, it would be a different number if X number of games were lost. And they even had a scenario. They called it the doomsday scenario if the entire season was eliminated. Yet that agreement has meant absolutely nothing. So... In that, in that uh, agreement that was signed, that means nothing, back in March, uh, the, league that the league suggested that in absence of a negotiated agreement with the union, it could impose a schedule of somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 games. I heard the number was 48, but that's in the neighborhood of 50 games, and pay players full prorated salaries worth a total of around $1.25 billion for all of the players. And uh, the Major League Baseball Players Association went on to say, we demand that you inform us of your plans by close of business tonight. This is just a fascinating exhibition on how you can screw something up. Like when, when is there, when is there like next CBA due? Because I've got to imagine we're headed for like a 10-year baseball strike after this. This was, I, I know I used this line before, but it, it's so perfect. It fits. These dummies turned a pandemic into a work stoppage. They were the first group to lay out, hey, this is, our, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to approach missed games. This is how we're going to approach uh, a missed chunk of the season. This is how we're going to approach the postseason. This is how we're going to approach everything. It wasn't real. It was all fake. And you have to believe because the owners or the, the players are just asking for what's in the agreement. They agreed to a salary cut. They're asking for what they agreed to. I can't figure out for the life of me why that's such a hard concept to grasp. 
I, I can't understand why people, well, I can because his sources are owners, but why would, why if you're Jeff Passman or you're Goofy Mike Greenberg, are you, are you going after players? The players agreed to a pay cut. The owners have decided, ah, that's not a big enough of a pay cut. Okay. I told you, I, I let me be the mediator or in baseball, they have arbitrators. Let me be the arbitrator. Let's figure out what's fair. This is that's all this is what it's about. It's all we want in the entire world, right? It's fairness. We want equality. Let's have equality here in baseball. Open the books. It's as simple as that. Oh, the Major League Baseball owners, they're in dire straits because they can't have fans in attendance. Okay, show me. How much are we losing? Like, like are, are, are we operating in the red? How many baseball teams are there? How many baseball teams are operating in the red? Got a quick answer for you. The answer is almost certainly zero. Major League Baseball doesn't want you to know that, though. Major League Baseball certainly doesn't want its players to know that. But I say just turn over the receipts. What do you got? Show us. Okay, so really what we mean is we want the players to take more of a pay cut so we can make more money. Ah. Gotcha. That's what this is all about. It's about who's going to make the most money. Of course, teams will take more of a, they'll be less in the black, if you will, uh, if they can cut more of the players' money. As poorly operated as baseball is, as a whole and individual franchises, it's hard for me to believe that a single team with a local television deal is operating in the red. Those television deals are the lifeblood of sports, both locally and nationally. But they just couldn't come to an agreement on any of this. If you're having more games, again, they would have had all of June and all of July all to themselves. All to themselves, and they messed it up. And so I guess today, I guess we'll find out. I don't know. I guess we'll find out what they're doing. That's about it. This backlash was last night. I haven't had a chance to watch it all. It's tough sitting through. I know I do the weekly wrestling podcast. My new tagline for the weekly wrestling podcast over on Patreon, patreon.com slash Damien Barling. If you haven't joined me, new episode of Be Conscious on the way. There might be a couple of episodes of Be Conscious this week, by the way. There's, there's There's some stuff to talk about. But I have a new tagline for the wrestling podcast, and it's called, I watch it so you don't have to. And because I don't encourage any of you to sit through wrestling broadcasts. I don't mind, and I know I'm a shill for AEW because I, I love the story of how the company was built. That show is actually easier to watch. Uh, AEW and SmackDown are, are relatively easy to watch. Actually, SmackDown last week was really good. SmackDown on Friday with, uh, it was Brian and AJ. It was really good. Uh, what isn't, I don't think I'm digging this Undertaker series at all for a variety of reasons. I feel like this episode that they just posted yesterday, it's episode number four. It is the penultimate episode of the series, which is the stupidest word that it was ever created. It's the second to last episode, right? I like the beginning of this because they talked about protecting the Undertaker character. Like the Undertaker talked about why he did things a certain way. He talked about why it was important for him to do things this way. 
and they showed some outtakes of him doing his you know early promos and you know it's weird to see him as like the original dead man with the pale white face like smiling and laughing it's like just things that you don't see it's like okay that's cool but that story was like forced in there like there was no reason for it to be there you could have done an entire episode on that story on why he protected the character the way that he did and you could have shown outtakes and you could have shown how the creative process worked like Vince McMahon was heavily involved in this episode and it was weird because you just <laughs> you hear him laugh like 20 times and that's exactly how he laughs it's this weird thing and then at the end you know the the annoying constant in this undertaker series is well i just didn't know if this was the last match oh i was just done i was done i knew this was it it was over it's like dude you you've said that four times and then he has this match, which is a match that I don't even remember at all. It's Extreme Rules. It was The Undertaker and Roman Reigns against Drew Brees. And, uh, Drew Brees. Yes, Drew Brees uh, tag-teamed with Shane McMahon at the Superdome in New Orleans. Drew McIntyre and Shane McMahon against Roman Reigns and, 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 uh, and The Undertaker. And I don't remember the match at all. But because the Undertaker didn't fall on his face, I guess he, he you know, he go. There's this scene because they cover the Goldberg thing. They even mentioned uh, the time where he was going to sign with Starcast, he, or he was going to do an autograph signing. He was going to do an autograph signing at a wrestling event that is not really tied to, but sort of loosely tied to AEW. And he talked about how Vince McMahon was really upset about it and how they had a a little falling out and then they, you know, everybody's temper cooled. And, and I don't even understand how they had a falling out because undertaker was announced for that event at Starcast for like a week, maybe two weeks. And then it was all of a sudden uh, undertaker ain't going to be at Starcast no more. So whatever the falling out was, it only lasted a couple of days before whatever needed to be corrected was corrected. But there is this moment where he goes back after that match at Extreme Rules, that tag team match, and he goes to Vince McMahon. It's right after the match was over, right when he's full of all this adrenaline and all that stuff. He goes, he looks at Vince and he goes, I'm done. And, you know, Vince is kind of like, okay. He goes, I I don't feel it out there anymore. Vince goes, okay, you know, I'll I'll follow your lead, whatever you want to do. And he goes, yeah. And he's like, starts to like talk himself out of it. He's like, oh, you know, I'll think about it and let it sit. It's just, you know, we'll talk about it later. I just, I don't know. I don't feel it. Like, okay, I got, I respect that. I understand that. And he walks away, dude. Seconds later, they end the the end the episode brilliantly as he's walking with AJ Styles, who we all know is his opponent at WrestleMania 36. He's walking with AJ Styles. And he goes, hey, give us a second. And he turns around, he looks at the camera, essentially saying he's going to have a private conversation with AJ Styles. And it's like, you just told Vince you were done. And, and, and I have no idea. Obviously, we have no idea what happened in that conversation. And I thought the film crew did a good job of no matter what happened in that conversation, they made it, they made that build and they've done a really good job. That's, that's one thing I'll give them credit for through this four episodes is they've weaved AJ Styles in. Which leads me to believe there is no other outcome for this series, this episode next week, which is the last episode. There's no other outcome than for him to say he's retired. Because if he's not, what are we watching? Like, what is all of this for? They should have, it's every episode has been the same thing. 
Oh, like good match, bad match, good match, bad match. Oh, I had a really good match, you know, I with John Cena, but I wish it was longer. Oh, well, let's cool. Let's go to Saudi Arabia with Kane and DX, and it's a disaster. Okay. Well, hey, we got another big money payday for you. We're going to send you to Saudi Arabia to wrestle Goldberg. Oh, all right. It's a combined 106 years old, but let's do it. Goldberg smashes his head on the turn post. He's... There's this great part too, where uh, where the Undertaker goes, yeah, Goldberg, you know, he concussed himself. He had a concussion early, and then quickly he goes, well, he had some sort of head injury. Like <laughs> he either somebody told him he had to clean it up. Like why they didn't edit that out is beyond me. But I feel like WWE, who has a brilliant production staff, has dropped the ball on this whole series. It could have been so much better. Not to mention the fact that The Undertaker is wearing this. Not He wore a Blue Lives Matter shirt at the beginning in, in, in episodes like number one and two. One of his interviews, he's wearing a Blue Lives Matter shirt. It's like, huh. Okay. And then he's wearing this, and it's probably the same line. It's just, it's just called the, 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 the nine-line apparel. And I had to look up what nine-line was. Apparently, it's something they say uh, when, a, when a soldier is, is injured over the communications thing, it's a nine line. And that's, that's how they communicate that the soldier is injured. So there's this nine line apparel. Uh, you should go to the website and see it for yourself. It's quite interesting. There's a whole line of apparel that consists of, um, stand for the flag and stand for the anthem or else apparel. There's respect my flag or else t-shirts. It's fascinating because I'd wonder, like, I always wonder, like, what I would say to somebody if I was, like, behind them in the checkout line and they had a stand for the anthem or else. Because I'd feel inclined to ask them, like, or else what? Like, what would you do if I didn't stand for the anthem? What if you started playing the national anthem on your phone right now and I sat my ass in the middle of this grocery store? What would you do? It's, 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 it's a fascinating line of apparel. And to see this, like, I like The Undertaker better when he wore black. I didn't need to see this from The Undertaker because now it's, can I say that it's ruined the last 30 years of The Undertaker definitively? Yep. Kind of has. Don't judge what he's wearing. Go to the website. I think, I'm sure it's like ninelineapparel.com or something. Go look at it. It's quite interesting. And, and, and you know, The Undertaker talks about working with a, a social media company. It's weird, man. It's weird. I like the I like the Undertaker better before we knew any of this. I think you could have put together a fascinating Undertaker documentary and not included any of this crap. None of it. There's so many great stories you could have told. You could have told the story of protecting the character over an entire episode. They dropped the ball on this one, man. We'll talk about backlash on the the weekly uh, episode, uh, the weekly wrestling edition of the podcast. If you want to support us on Patreon, man, that would be awesome. Go to patreon.com slash Damian Barling. If you're a Be Conscious fan, that's where you can find new episodes of Be Conscious. If you just want to support the podcast, uh, that would be a great thing to do uh, as well. We're, we're trying to grow our network here, and that's something we're going to be talking about in the coming days. Those are uh, announcements that I'm very excited to have over the course of the next coming weeks. So make sure you're locked in. Thanks for your constant support, and we'll be back with more tomorrow here on the podcast with Damian Barling.